Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton, man in the controls. It's Kevin and Query, the uh, now top 15th ranked middle market uh, FM station between 100 and 108 on a dial in uh, the country. Top 15 sounds better than just saying 15th, right? <laughs> Kristen Airy texts us yesterday, congrats on being top 15. I mean, we could be 11th for all yeah. we know, right? I kind of like Chris's. Well, he, that was a okay, good PR spin he, on it. I look at it this way, though. If you look at the, the, the shows that were in front of us, you got Birmingham, Cleveland, Charlotte, Buffalo, Kansas City, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. I mean, what are they talking about? Well, that was a big night for them. They got Please, a nice, Thunder, don't leave us. They got they got a big win last night. You know, that Cowboy Hall of Fame, I personally think Roy Rogers is his year. I mean, is that what they're talking about? Nashville, Pittsburgh, Baton Rouge. They probably are not going over it's the a, rankings it's a family and analyzing program. every city. Baltimore. Milwaukee, Kansas City, and St. Louis. So Kansas City twice. That, they, they cancel out. That moves us to 14th right there, right? Did you say you had a Frank Reich-related comment? Frank Reich, um, on the third-ranked mid-market radio program in the morning in Charlotte, they're probably discussing Frank Reich. And this question was posed to me, and it's a good one. If you had to put your 401k right now on either of the of two slots, which one would you go with? Who makes the playoffs first, the Indianapolis Colts or Frank Reich? Yeah, I'd probably go Panthers. I mean, hell, they almost made it last year. Certainly the same thing can't be said about the Colts. And the NFC South is just one of the most godforsaken quarterback divisions you'll ever see. It's unbelievable. I mean, honestly, does any team in the NFC South have a starter next year? Mark, will you look up if Darnold's under contract? I'm sure. pretty sure he's not. So, Jake, if you were to look at the under-contract quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota, not under contract. Jameis Winston, not under contract. The best under-contract quarterback in the NFC South is... Desmond Ritter? Yeah, Sam Darnold's a free agent. P.J. Walker? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Now, Derek Carr visited, or is visiting, or did visit it? Visit, did visit, or is visiting New Orleans? I think that's where he's going to end up, right? Isn't that kind of the thought process? Get a mutual thing there with the Raiders. They invited him for a visit, uh, and the Raiders have granted permission for that to happen. The plan is for him to visit today. Got it. Um, So there could be a stop for Derek Carr, um, but I would go with Frank Reich on that one. I I do think this, Jake. Are we a little premature in crowning Jacksonville as going to be the best team in the AFC South for the next half dozen years? I mean... Anything can happen, especially Obviously, once. they're trending in a really nice direction, but a little too early to just crown them as like, boom, they are here to stay for X amount of years. But based on their, you know, their record wasn't like, where did they finish in terms of the AFC and record? In other words, how, what will their schedule be next year? Well, they won the division, so they'll right, play so that, all the first place teams in the okay, AFC okay. I was thinking it goes year. by where you rank. I mean, if they lose week 17, they don't make the playoffs. Right. It's not like they won going away. I mean, they have, but but Kevin, they have the answer and solidarity at the most important position in sports. Without a doubt, and he certainly took a huge step forward. 
I just I don't know if I look at them and say pencil them in for twelve wins well, for the next I, but, five six years. But I think you do. Here, here's the thing: they have a tough opponent. I'm looking at their opponents real quick. Woof. Understood. But here is the thing: they have more. Okay, they have fewer questions about themselves than the other teams in the AFC South, right? Definitely. In the in the NFC with Carolina, there's no Jacksonville equivalent in the NFC South. And this is the other thing. Like where is the wild card opening in the AFC? Yeah. I mean, if Kansas City wins their division, you still have the Chargers in that division vying for a wild card. If Cincinnati wins their division, you still have Baltimore and Pittsburgh vying for a wild Miami card. Miami just made the playoffs. Yeah, if my if if Buffalo wins their division, you got Miami vying for a wild card. In the NFC, I, I mean, the NFC East maybe, but I, you know, it just there's Mark, Mark there Brock seems would, to be a lot more talent or or, or middle pack balance in the AFC. Yeah. It's a conversation we had last year. I've never seen the AFC this deep. And you could argue it's only really grown after last year because you know I remember a conversation we had this time last year was arguably the two worst teams in the AFC last season, 2021, you would say were Jacksonville and the Jets. Well, they both were playing with quarterbacks drafted one or two overall. Yeah. So the conversation was, what would happen if either of those two quarterbacks took a step forward, a la what we saw with Peyton Manning from three and thirteen to thirteen and three? Well, Zach Wilson didn't sniff it, but Trevor Lawrence sure as hell did. So that I think is the reminder of is Zach Wilson out of? Does he get a second shot somewhere, or is this it? Oh, I think he'll. Yeah, I think he'll still get another shot. I mean, hell, if Carson Wentz got as many shots as he did, and you know, even Tannehill got a second shot. Yeah, I, I know that Wilson's play probably definitely wasn't at the Wentz level early in Philly, but I think he'll get some sort of chance. I was saying in the break, if if and when Rodgers gets traded from the NFC, give me your top five NFC quarterbacks next year. It's wild, boy. Especially That's Brady retiring. Got to start with Jalen Hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Prescott? Yeah, I put Dak up there. Stafford? If he returned, oh, he was banged up last Stafford year. Stafford so slash maybe. Kyler Murray? Oof. <laughs> and that's top three? That's like top three. You're debating top three already. I mean, again, more to fill. Jared Goff after what he did oh, last Daniel year? Daniel Jones? Did you see what he might be getting in a deal? I, I, 35 to $37 million? I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet Kirk Cousins? Daniel Jones. I think I'd go Goff before I'd go Cousins or Jones. Okay. Um, the fourth string guy for the Niners? Seriously. I mean, hell, the Niners' third string quarterback might be better than five different NFC team starters, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to say, but that's the reality. Healthy, that's why I think the debate... healthy Garoppolo... Yeah, the debate with, is Frank Reich's Panthers going to make the playoffs first or the Colts? It's got to be the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Without question. I would agree. Um, Saw it yesterday, Brian Flores to the Vikings as their defensive coordinator. Uh, This takes away a finalist in Arizona. So right now it's Indy and Arizona, the two head coach openings. Arizona has Mike Kafka on their finalist list. The Giants offensive coordinator, Patrick Mahomes, is former QB coach. And then Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. Okay. So neither of those finalists in Arizona have been finalists here. Kafka did interview here, but did not 
interview a second time. So, again, if we look at the four other openings this cycle, outside of D'Amico Ryan's, and there's obviously reasons why he took that Houston job. I don't really think the Colts were that seriously interested in any of the candidates. Yeah, not a lot of cross-pollination, you mean, among candidates? Yeah, and maybe Sean Payton was a little bit more of the Colts doing on Better that Better job, Colts or Cardinals? Um... What's the better job? Uh-huh. I'd say the Colts because at least you get your pick of quarterback, whereas with the Cardinals, you're stuck good with point. Kyler. Good and point. you have to actually like him, which apparently has been the the hard thing to convince it's coaches. A very good point. I, yeah. I, think I mean, that, don't they have the third overall pick? I believe that's... I so if they wanted to, again, financially, it would really hamstring them. But if they wanted to make some huge sacrifice, they could try and get rid of Kyler. I, I think that Arizona... The card doesn't Arizona just kind of seem like one of those franchises though that you're like does is anybody is that really an NFL franchise like do they have a serious fan base you yeah, know what I mean just kind of certainly a fair question but but then they show up and they make these like weird runs every like eight years boy it'd be a nice place to live on the Shane Steichen front and I know Jake does Jim Mercy's tweet. Yesterday, indicate anything to you on days, not hours? Would you slot anyone else in the favorite group if you had to bet on anybody? No. I mean, I when he says days, I, I, I think the thing about like days, If I were to give you hours, $10 right now, who would you put that 10 bucks on? You had to put all 10 bucks on one. I mean, I've said Raheem Morris all along, but then I had the, I had the the vision, man, Aaron Glenn. It's one of those two. Yeah, I'm glad you've gone vision, not dream. <laughs> I wasn't. I I don't think I was necessarily in full REM sleep. I think I'd probably put the ten bucks on Psych, and again, I'm not overwhelming with that thought, but you know, his quarterback history. I think you have to really like that. Again, Philip Rivers and by all accounts, Philip Rivers and Shane Steichen are extremely close still to this day. And knowing Philip Rivers, that dude's not hanging around with unintelligent human beings about the game of football. So you're going to get an extremely bright-minded coach, and then you look at what he had after Rivers, Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, two very, two obviously young quarterbacks, two different style quarterbacks. That to me has got to be pretty attractive as well. If you want to maintain the defensive system currently in place, Shane Syke and Gus Bradley worked together with the Chargers for four years. He was a college quarterback, Jake, at UNLV, so you you know that, again, he's handled playing this position. I think there are definitely some reasons to like a lot of what Shane Sykin brings. I think anytime you've got like the super intellectual, bright coach, there is that worry of like, can you connect with everybody? You know, it's not just, you know, crazy math inside of the quarterback room. You you do have to be the head coach. But I think given the Colts situation, there's a lot of reason to like do we what's there. Do we get caught up in association though? In other words, do we know that Shane Steichen's a really good coach, or are we thinking of him in association of he's kinda like Sirianni who we should have kept? 
So that's who we, you know, we can't get yeah. Sirianni. I don't even know we if he's like that, We can't get Peyton though. Manning, so we got Jeff Saturday. We can't get Sirianni, so we're going to get Shane Steich, and we, you know, we, we, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, I don't get the vibe that he is Sirianni personality, um, but to your point, Jake, I think we do that with every candidate. I mean, you, you look at everything. Correct. Glass. Oftentimes, guys are not hired based on who they are, but rather who they remind you of. It's glass half full or glass half empty. And a lot of it is just a 180 of what you previously had. I mean, if you look at Carolina's candidates, they went from, they went super young or uh, super offensive with, with a lot of their candidates. Um, you know, that was the, you know, stark contrast. Obviously, Denver, the higher they made. Houston was very young compared to what they went with Lovey Smith and David Cauley each of the two previous years. Uh, but yeah, again, I don't feel, Uber confident with it, but if you were to say ten bucks on one person right now, I'd probably go Steichen. Do you know where Shane Steichen went to college? Yeah. You do? Did you already say it? Uh huh. Did you say it already? I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Stephen Holder was just there, right? Correct. UNLV. Do you know the most famous quarterback to come out of UNLV? Or the most famous running back to come out of UNLV? Definitely not Shane Steichen. I think um Scott Turner is an NFL coach that also a plays very popular there. eagle, a very popular eagle. Mark, you got a guess? No, Randall Cunningham. That is correct. Nice. Do you know job, the running? Mark do you know Dyson? the running back, Mark? Icky Woods. Look at the what big in brain the world, Mark? Mark My Dyson. UNLV knowledge is untouched. Gosh, who had thirty-eight in the nineteen eighty-seven Final Rebels. Four against Indiana and a ninety-seven ninety-three loss? LeBron James. I don't know. That'd be Armand Gillian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think UNLV. Uh, I'm not acting like Shane Steichen was some you know all Mountain West quarterback there for 20 years, but certainly he's played that position. He's calling plays in the Super Bowl, and we'll see how the rest of the week plays out. Do you think? Again, I want to reemphasize this point, though, Kevin. When when I think a lot of people thought when when Ursay came out and said this will be days. Immediately, people thought that it's got to be somebody who is currently in the Super Bowl. But while it is not forbidden, it is strongly suggested that teams not make an announcement Super Bowl week anyway. Correct. Correct. Which is kind of and, a dumb thing, but whatever. And again, the agreed to terms announcement you saw Carolina do, you saw Denver do, but then they waited several days before Frank Reich and Sean Payton put pen to paper and then had their official press conferences, I don't think the Colts are going to go down that path. I think Chris Bauer has so much embarrassment and nightmarish thoughts about you really, Josh McDaniels. You're big on that, right? Yeah. I think they will wait to make sure this is final, final, everything is good to go before they make an announcement. I mean, Jake, picture yourself in that organization. And for eight hours, Josh McDaniels' tweets were going out. Josh McDaniels on the face of your... On your uh, website, you're sending out, you know, ticket forms with Josh McDaniels on it, and then he tells you no. You'd probably have some embarrassment still. You'd probably have some scar tissue about it. So I, I totally get why they're being so hesitant and not having the typical NFL announcement where you get the agreed to terms and then the press conference comes a few days later. I could be wrong on that, but that's that's my thought. I'll never forget getting that alert. I Josh say it was Daniels 11 a.m. in the morning. 11 a.m. in the morning, the announcement. He agreed to terms. Right. 
And then it's like seven o'clock yeah, that night. I was, I was gonna a, say just after dinner. I was at a park. Uh, my buddy Torian was playing in a parks rec league basketball game, and I was in the stands. And all of a sudden, I looked at him. Like, Man, my phone is just blowing up. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Thanks, but no thanks. Okay. Wild, absolutely wild. Yeah, the YouTube chats co- commented. Hey, I forgot that Kenny Main, ESPN Kenny Main, was a quarterback at UNLV. Uh, Colin Coward went to UNLV, didn't he? That always dumbfounds me. Kenny Main, college I, quarterback. I always thought Kenny Main's shtick got really old really fast. Am I the only one that thought that? I think he's a talented guy. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like I thought, I had some good staying power. He was a good anchor on Sports Center, but when they started sending him out to do like features, and he thought he was funny, it was like. Ugh. The probably Kenny Maine's uh, not greatest moment was when he was the the one year that they had him as the MC for the Indy 500 Victory Banquet. Oh, I remember telling the story. Lorette Radon, he says, coming in you know 17th place. Lorette Radon, who wasn't there to come up and get the check, and he goes, apparently Lorette had better things to do tonight and decided not to come here. And somebody walks up and that guy, oh sorry, Lorette's in the hospital in traction after an accident on lap 200. Yeah, dude. It's 2002. The accident with Buddy Lazier that led to the controversial Paul Tracy, Castro Nevis finish. I want to go back a little bit to last night, Jake, and Indiana's win over Rutgers, obviously the first time since 2019, and their inability last year to handle, honestly, you could point to it earlier this year. I know North Carolina's fallen off a cliff, but Jake, think about the hype after beating North Carolina. And all of that, the pomp and and all the, oh my gosh, Indiana, what a huge win. They beat the defending national runner-up, all this stuff. And they go to Rutgers then a few days later and really get handled. Um, Last year, you beat Purdue on your home floor, the court storming, et cetera, et cetera. Then you lose by 18 to a Michigan team that was bad last year. That was a 500 Michigan team that came into your building. Last night, here you are, playing at home, Reacting after a big win, your first game after that emotional win, and you're playing a much better opponent than I think certainly Michigan was last year, and you kind of beat them a little bit at their game. You know, it wasn't like the prettiest looking win by any means. You didn't score 79 like you did against Purdue. There were some ugly moments in the second half. Um, you go through a scoring drought. At this point with Indiana, you're looking for steps. Preseason. Everybody thought, legit Sweet 16, sort of contender. They've won 7 of 8. They just won a game that they lost last year kind of in a similar fashion. Now the next question will be, can you do it away from home? You did it against Illinois last month. You know th- th- That will kind of be the, the next question on the list. But I thought last night was an important step for them in continuing to try and show those preseason expectations were not... Unwarranted. I thought, Kevin, define what you mean when you say, like, at their own game. I thought it got pretty mucky and pretty loose ball, offensive reboundy in the second half, and that's where Rutgers excels. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, to be fair, that's part of why Rutgers got back in the game. But if you look at how Indiana iced that game last night, Jake, it was a Trace Jackson Davis offensive rebound that he put back in, and then Trey Galloway... Did the same thing with a three point play late. Like, the one thing. That's Indiana went in a little bit in a different way. The one thing that, and by the way, it was uh, Freddie Banks had 38, Armand Gilliam 32. 
in 87. Sorry, Mark. Um, Mark was all over that. The uh, Alfred at 33, I know that much. The, the thing about the game to me last night, Kevin, was I, I really did feel like in the second half that Indiana did, you know, every time Rutgers got within five, like when it got down to five, you were kind of worried, right? Like it's a 10-point game. It gets down to five, and you're like, wait a minute. Got to three and two, I think, one separate points. <laughs> But it just felt like they never let them fully get over the hump. And to your point, kind of a grind down, not necessarily a pretty game. I guess that's, that's your point there, right? I mean, they had the an eight-minute scoring drought. Yeah. How many times last year did we say eight-minute scoring drought that, no doubt. that, that and, they and couldn't overcome? The game totally got away from them, right? But I just felt like it was like they kind of controlled the game, Indiana. Like it didn't. Did you ever think to yourself, like, oh, gosh, here it comes? No, I know the McConnell kid missed a three that was pretty open to tie the game. You know, that might have been one of the few times. But for the most part, you felt like Indiana was still going to be able to. Again, they have such, I mean, I know Zach Eady's more the cheat code. But hell, Trace Jackson Davis at times, I mean, he spun around Cliff Amore. I mean, he dominated him with that spin move. Cliff Amore threw a three that I think landed in Griffey Lake there late in the game. (laughs) He shot it, and then Usain Bolt sprinted right away. Riffy Lake. Did you have that on the used to watch that show in the 90s? (laughs) A lot of things have been lit up over at Griffey Lake. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, 8 o'clock hour here. Kevin Inquiry, Stephen Holder joining us now. He got the retweet yesterday from Jim Ursay. I actually thought Ursay then took his tweet and was like, you know what, I'm going to put my Ursay spin on it, but pretty much say what Stephen said a little bit earlier in the day and that was a reminder of the patient process Chris Ballard promised back a month ago it's a month today since the cold season has ended by the way and Ursay said the final decision would be strictly based on what's best for our franchise's success best for our fans of Colts Nation final decision coming in days not hours Steven joins us now Steven I might be premature with this and we'll see what the final answer is but I get the vibe that Jim Mersey has let Chris Ballard run this how Chris Ballard has wanted to run it over the past month. And I have not said that about every or many important decisions this franchise has made over the last 12 months. I concur 100%. That is the vibe that I get. That is every indication that I have. Uh, that, is, that is that is what I have taken away from, from all of this. And I think there's there's a couple of indications uh, first of all uh you look at who they who they talked to in terms of who who they interviewed now th- they went after some of the bigger names obviously they they talked to dan quinn and, and guys like that but there ha- there haven't been maybe the sexy names if you will right and i think that to me that indicates chris ballard's in charge i think they also uh with the, the deliberative the deliberate excuse me nature of this tells me Chris Ballard. That's exactly what he told us to expect, right? And you're right. Jim Mercy didn't need to re- didn't need to put up his own tweet because I did say the same thing he said. So 
Um, I don't know if that's a kiss of death getting the, the retweet from the owner or not. But anyhow, I, I agree with you. I really do. And and I have also heard from people in the building who who, who don't like the fact, or let me say, put it this way, don't love how Jim Irsay has been characterized throughout this. I don't think we were wrong about anything we said. Okay? But, but I also think they make a fair point when they say, you know, this has not been... Jamerce's nature throughout right. his his time as an owner, and it hasn't. So, so I, hopefully, uh, this was the uh, the exception and not the rule. You know, some of the interaction we saw last year from him, and and we'll see. I I, I get the sense that you are correct, though, KB. Stephen, is it even possible with the the lack of information? And I'll give the Colts credit in that regard to. Tell us, like, uh, even a gut of who you think the front runner is, or is that literally an impossible estimation at this point? I really think it's impossible, and I think it is remarkable. You know, based on or what you just said, it is remarkable in terms of them controlling the flow of information. It's unbelievable, <laughs> and I think part of that is 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 number one. I don't think they have given a lot of indication. And they also have have talked to such a, a large number of people that it it is hard to to kind of weed people out. Uh, they they've all gotten the exact same treatment, which was intentional, not because they were trying to keep it a secret, but because they were trying to ensure that everybody got a fair shake. You know that's that's what was emphasized to me this week. You know the the whole what was it like twelve hour interviews? Uh, I understand that each candidate. Each of the finalists who had in-person interviews, they each got three to four hours on average of one-on-one time with Ursay, which sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, he could talk; he could make a lot of music references in three hours. Um, and so, anyway, I, I really think all of those factors have made it really, really impossible to, you know, without someone specifying to you. You know who the front runner is made it hard to, to determine that, and they're not talking. I'm telling you, they are not talking, at least not in terms of specifics. And as you said, I give them credit for that. Stephen Holder with us uh, from ESPN.com. Um, I, I hesitate to call anyone a favorite at this point, and this is me probably reading too much into it, Stephen. But if we get to like Friday and it's still really, really quiet, would that mean to you that someone in the Super Bowl? Maybe Shane Steichen is that favorite because if it was somebody else, could you see a little bit of leakage from their side of things? Whereas the Steichen camp is going to want to be all in on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Obviously, the Ballard camp wants to be all in on quiet, quiet, quiet. Again, I'm probably reading too much into this, but if we get to Friday and we've heard nothing, would that lend you to think that sort of lean one way? I mean, it's a... It's a fair, um, what's the word? Uh, it's fair to wonder that, for sure, put it that way. Uh, I, I mean, if you were taking bets, you'd probably take that bet. Not because I heard anything, and I know you're not saying that right. either. Just, yeah, I don't have an overwhelming amount of confidence with that, but if I, were, right. if I were to go anywhere, that's probably where I would lean. Right. I mean, I think, I think if we're looking for indications, right? And we don't have any, <laughs> okay? So that's... That's like the one possible potential indicator that we have. So you can't ignore it. 
you know, given the limited information that we have. I think that's a fair statement. Um, but again, I mean, do I know anything about how they feel about Shane Steichen? No. Um, and, and the one thing I would say about all of this, keep in mind, is, you know, we have gotten so little information, but we have, we have heard so much speculation throughout this thing, right? So much. And I have really just kept quiet for the most part. Like, if I know something, I'll put it out there. If I, if I have some, you know, reasonable thoughts, uh, I put them out there. But I've really tried not to speculate because, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff said, and most of it's been wrong. <laughs> That's something somebody in the building told me this week was that, look, you have no idea how wrong some of this information has been. And I don't, I'm not talking about anything specific, um, but I'm just saying a lot of that has probably come from social media. Uh, speculation, but all I can tell you is that they, they've apparently been sitting back and laughing at a lot of it. Steven, the report came out, I believe you actually were one of those that, that had information on this, that the Colts, the reason that the Colts were, I'll, I'll say blocking, for lack of a better phrase, not granting permission for other teams right. to talk to Gus Bradley, was because there were perhaps multiple head coaching candidates who had expressed an interest of retaining Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. Do we know which candidates that would be? I do not know. That is that is true. Yes, that is what I was told. And I my understanding is that it is definitely multiple candidates. I do not know which ones. Um, I mean, we can... Yeah, can we go off some of the connections? Isn't Raheem Morris, yeah, that's, Basaccia? That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Like, we could we could kind of look for connections. Yeah. Shane Steichen. And, and there are a few, right? There are a few. I, I think it's, it, it's there's some, like, legitimate, like, I just talked about speculation, but, like, there's actually uh, some, you know, some, some strong indicators we can look at there, even though, they're just that. There's still speculation, but I do think there's some, you know, there's some decent uh, speculation we can make there. Like you said, Versace has history with him in Vegas and elsewhere, I believe. Um, but Raheem Morris and he have history. I'm forgetting mm-hmm. someone. Uh, Steichen. Yeah, Morris, Versace, Steichen are the three that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think there could be more. I mean, I, I, I think you don't have to necessarily have history with him. To, to also watch the tape and say, you know what, this defense is workable, right? I mean, the Colts' offense last season was was absolutely dreadful, okay? I mean, dreadful. And I think if you watch it and, and keep that understanding in mind, I think you would have a, a pretty positive impression of the defense and, and say to yourself, okay, well, who am I going to go get at this point you know, that's better. And, and I don't know, maybe you have someone in mind because generally coaching candidates do. But if you have something in place that also works and and the team is actually in favor of that option because I think Chris Ballard does seem to, I mean, he built that defense and I, I think was in favor of obviously hiring Gus Bradley. So they would be in favor of it. So, you know, you might, you might just kind of go along with that. Stephen, the QAnon folks went crazy yesterday, direct messaging me that when Jim Irsay said that the decision would come in days and capital day, capitalized days, uh, that meant Jeff Saturday. Your thoughts? <laughs> oh my God, man! I don't know if to be impressed or if to be scared. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm kind of impressed by that. 
Right. That someone's like, mind would, I, would would go there. You imagine if Ursay was doing that? I mean, first of all, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not that smart, I guess. But nah, I uh my thoughts are let's just let's hope that's not true because then I'm gonna have to start looking at life in a whole different way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's scary. Steven, I got one more on the coaching front, and I do want to ask you something else non-coaching related before we let you go, but we're now a month into this. I, I've said all along, I'm totally fine with the amount of patience that Chris Ballard has shown. The one negative, the one con I would have is, are you missing out on some staff candidates? You know, let's not act like just the head coaching hires the most important thing, particularly if that person is not on the offensive side of the ball. You've got some big-time hires and some big-time people, people maybe to try and retain as well. What cons, if any, do you think there are with the Colts waiting as long as they have? That's the one I have. I agree with you. And, I mean, look, I'm not up in arms about it. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they have made a mistake. Uh, but, I, but I do think they... They have made a, a willful decision here to take their time, and, and and when you do that, that means that you understand there may be unintended consequences, and that would be one. There's no question about it. I, I think that the staff matters a lot, like a whole lot. Now, the good thing is there there have only been, uh, I think there were what, five openings this year, so there's not quite as much movement as there was like last year. I think there were 10, ultimately, uh, 10 different head coaches. Uh, but there's still, this is still the time of year when, when people want to get settled. If you're an assistant coach, you got your family, uh, kids in school, et cetera, you, you want to get settled and understand where you're going to be. And that this is the time of year that happens. And, and people start getting nervous, you know, when the musical chairs are toward the end of the process, right? You don't want to get left standing, right? So, so that's, a, that's a legitimate thing. And, and the other thing I'd say about coaching staff is, I think a, a little discussed issue uh, over the last year or so is I, I think Frank Reich suffered a lot from his staff departures over the past two off seasons, like a lot. I mean, we know we talked about Sirianni a lot, and, and that one is obvious, but there have been other departures too uh, among position coaches that I really think ultimately uh, did not help Frank Reich. And, and some of those, he let them go. And, you know, to, to allow them to have upper, upward mobility, I credit him for that. Uh, but ultimately, his staff, I, th- I think, took a hit as a result of some of those moves. Steven, Steven Holder, by the way, is our guest. He is with ESPN.com. Of course, he joins us on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Is there any chance that the Colts look at this year's quarterback draft and say, you know what, a couple of intriguing talents, but there are no can't miss franchise guys we, we are going to go ahead and run this one more time with a veteran any chance that happens hmm. i think it's a i think it's a fair question i don't i think a lot of people just dismiss it right out of hand you know like the whole Derek carr situation and i'm not you know i'm not proposing that at all but i mean i don't think it's like a ridiculous thought either right i mean that's a different level of quarterback than they've looked at the last few years. I think. I think I see him completely different than you know even Philip Rivers, who I loved, but you know was thirty nine. Anyway, however, I do think there's a couple factors. Number one, they they have the number four overall pick. You don't get that opportunity often, 
All right. I mean, it took a very unique season for them to get there, and I use unique very loosely. So you don't know where you're, you don't know that you're going to end up in that range of the draft, like ever. That's number one. Number two, very clearly, the owner is tired of of the back and forth at quarterback, and and I do think, uh, given that reality and the the reality of where they're drafting uh, in terms of draft slot. I think the opportunity is too great. I think you have to do it now. So I, I don't think it's likely. I'm not ruling it out, but I think it's a very, very, very small chance of it happening just because it's just too compelling. The opportunity and the uniqueness of it is too compelling for them to not do it right now. Couldn't agree more. So to piggyback off that, I'm not saying for the Colts, but I am curious of this. And I know he's a wonderful talent. But I saw yesterday that Aaron Rodgers now says he's going to take another, he's doing some weird, you know, trip somewhere <laughs> where he sits in the dark for four days and to the point of hallucination right. to clear his head. That's cool. He's going to take mushrooms, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, honestly. like, <laughs> like. I mean, he, he's done it before. Has he talked about this before? So, well, my, my question is anyway, this. Sorry. Like, he's under contract, right? I mean, I, I, your point, yes. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, right? Like, who knows what this guy, you know what I mean? He's a Berkeley dude, right? But, but he's under contract. Is he his? Is he going to eccentricity his way out of teams having interest in getting his services towards the end? Number one and number two, he's under contract. Like, why? Why does he have this decision? I think that's a great point. Uh, he does. He has carried himself like, <laughs> like he has all the cards here. <laughs> There's no question about it. I, I think he has. I think it's actually an indication of of how much he has worn the Packers down, though. He's worn them down so much that he, apparently, is working under the assumption that <laughs> that they're sick of me and, and they're not going to they're not gonna put up with this anymore. I mean, cause it does feel that way, right? I mean, uh, he is... He has not, it seems, entertained... I, I haven't heard anything from him entertaining the, the option of, like, coming back to the Packers if he plays. I mean, has he even said anything remotely close to that? I, I don't recall it. Well, I just so, think it's uh, yeah. odd the whole, like, you know, I'll decide if I'm going to play next year, and if so, like, where I'm going to play. Like, what do you mean, where are you going to play? Like, you know, I'm Steven, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to take this weekend. I'm going to think about whether or not I want to do a radio show next week, and then if so, I'll let you know where it's going to be. What? I have a contract. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, he just—it's a very strange thing. Look, at the, I would say this: the Packers have to be exhausted. You know, I'm exhausted. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, every year, man, every year. I mean, they, these these guys—the front office, the head coach—had to fly out to California and kiss the ring for him to deem him deem them with his presence. And it's like that's exhausting, man. Come on. You know, I, I would be over it. I, I think the Packers fans, there's a fair amount of Packers fans who seem to be over it, too. And and frankly, they, you know, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is lost. I am not saying that. But, I mean, he wasn't good enough to make the difference in that team, you know, the way he has in the past this year. Um, he, he really has been a guy who, he's carried that team a number of years. There have been a number of years where he has carried that team. He was not able to do that this year, which I think is also telling. Can you imagine playing for the same franchise as Brett Favre and 
and somehow, <laughs> sur- like somehow surpassing him as the most dramatic off-field quarterback in franchise history. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Last year, he started looking like Jets Brett Favre, or you know, maybe yeah. at times like late Vikings, yeah. and I think that's pretty concerning too. Um, Stephen, last one for me, and I guess kind of on this front and. Again, I, I couldn't agree more. When you have the opportunity with the fourth overall pick, you've done this song and dance the last handful of years. The, you have to take advantage of that. Having said that, you know, the Colts could, and I would understand it. Um, I think it's debatable whether you start the rookie from day one, whether you don't start the rookie from day one. Right. You threw out an interesting veteran name that I think if Matt Ryan wasn't the name or wasn't the QB here this past season, he very well could have been the starter um, in one of your latest pieces on ESPN.com as just a potential landing spot for some of these free agent quarterbacks. And I thought your explanation made some sense. You, you mind sharing what you said about Jameis Winston? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, the reality is uh, they were deep in talks with Jameis Winston before Matt Ryan became available. And, and it's my understanding that that Jameis was was Frank Reich's choice if they had to pick from among that group of of you know sort of second tier quarterbacks you know that were available. Yeah. And I'm talking about like Mariota, uh, Jameis, etc. That group. Uh, Jameis was was I think the guy Frank Reich preferred. I don't know what Chris Ballard's preference was, but anyhow, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is number one or no, number two, I should say the. You know, the money, I think, would be reasonable, that's for sure. And then, lastly, honestly, I think that the the ability of Jameis, or his strength, really, is to throw the ball down the field. And and what was missing most from this offense in, in 2022? They had no ability to stretch the field, like none. And I don't know how accurate Jameis Winston is, but at least the threat is there, and, and that helps Jonathan Taylor. I mean, think about what you might have been able to do with Jonathan Taylor this year. You know, had he had he had, you know, some some ability to uh, to get to back guys off the, the line of scrimmage. He didn't have that. I mean, they were crowding defenses were crowding the line of scrimmage, and they didn't have the ability to back them off because they had no threat of throwing down the field. So it's not ideal, and and I'm not promising you that it works, <laughs> but uh, but I do think you could see a scenario where if you play good defense and and, and, you know, you have at least, you know, some, some explosiveness in your offense and, and run the ball well, you know, you could see a scenario where that could be workable. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of where they're going to be. They have to have some sort of veteran here um, to, to take the pressure off the rookie. I think, I think sticking him in there and just assuming he's going to play day one, I think it's never a good idea. If it happens, it happens. But don't. Don't just proceed as though that's going to be the case, in my opinion. And again, the assumption Matt Ryan, Nick Foles won't be wearing Colts jerseys in September here, 2023. All right, Stephen, um, does the nightly drink intake alter at all right now, considering that we're kind of waiting for this white smoke, or are you under the impression that, yeah, I'm good till Monday? Um, well, I, I prob- first of all, I just got home from Las Vegas, so I, I probably don't need to drink, but... Um, yeah, I think we're good for a few days. I, I didn't, I, I didn't get the sense the last time I talked to people that there was anything imminent. And then that was before Ursay's tweet or retweet and tweet. And so I think they're definitely signaling to us that, like, hey, sit tight. I mean, there is the whole notion that the NFL doesn't, 
they, they kind of frown upon major announcements on Super Bowl week. We're now at Wednesday of Super Bowl week. Roger Goodell has a big press conference today. That's going to be the, the big headline of the day. I mean, by, by the time we get to the end of Super Bowl week, unless it leaks out, they're not announcing anything. I can tell you that, like, almost for sure. Right. So I don't anticipate anything. No. Hey, did you go see Carrot Top in Vegas? I, I didn't God, know that. He looks awful. You, you were right, Jake. Oh, it's unbelievable. He and Madonna, like, there's some guy sailing <laughs> the world on a, yacht, a plastic surgeon. Like, hell yeah. I heard Steven had some success on the tables. So, okay, yeah, I, I did not go see Carrot Top because I was too busy uh, winning lots of money at Blackjack and then and then giving it all back uh, in the subsequent days because that's how it works. Yeah. Well, I would like to know this, Stephen. Shelbyville or Anderson, if you really want to keep, 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 keep going. <laughs> I, I would like know. to know which is a more <laughs> exhilarating high in a nightclub, winning Blackjack in Las Vegas or being accompanied by yours truly to see Too Short at the Vogue? Oh, I mean, now, I mean, that, that's pretty close, isn't it? Wouldn't you say? <laughs> well, let's not feed the ego any more than it needs to be fed here, Stephen. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a pretty good show, I will say. It was cool. Maybe that oxygen from Vegas is getting to Stephen a bit <laughs> in the uh, old casinos. I'm, I'm jet lagged. I'm jet lagged. Well, how long were you in Vegas, Stephen? He was a pro bowler, Dude, right? I was in Vegas for like six days, which is yeah, insane. that's that's, that's double the many days. Yeah, that's Way double the many. max. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was working. Don't get me wrong. I wrote a lot of stories. Like I actually worked, right? But there's 24 hours in a day, man. And I was like, get me out of here. I gotta go home. Yeah, <laughs> six days in Vegas. So, yeah. You should get a you know free trip to somewhere to relax for that penance that you served out there. I know. Uh, Steven, thank you for the time. We'll probably see you here soon. All right, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tonight, it will be the final game before the 3 o'clock trade deadline. I do appreciate a 3 o'clock trade deadline. You don't have to wait till like midnight. Yeah, it's better than the midnight, correct. So 3 o'clock Thursday, if I remember correctly, the Oladipo to Houston, James Harden, Karis LeVert, all of that, that happened really close to the deadline a couple of years back. We'll see if the Pacers get involved with anything. Here in the next day or so to chat more about that from the Indianapolis Star. He is Dustin DePirac. Dustin, I, I want to start here. I think any time you kind of evaluate a team at the deadline, particularly one that is, you know, you could probably make cases for both sides of buyer, seller, probably fall somewhere in the middle. You kind of look at where do they have a lot and where do they not have as much. So if I threw that to you, where do the Pacers you feel like have a surplus and where do you feel like they need help? Uh, they got a surplus at the backup five, um, and uh, on some level, they need to at least try to move somebody. I think out of that uh, situation. I mean, I, I, on some level, all three of their backup centers, Daniel Tice, uh, Isaiah Jackson, and Jalen Smith, gave them give them something a little bit different. Uh, you know, Jackson and Davis are kind of, or J- I'm sorry, uh, Jackson and Smith are kind of similar body types. 
Um, but, you know, Smith, I think, has a little bit better touch around the rim. He's a little bit of a better outside shooter, even though he hasn't done a great job at that. And he's probably a little bit of a better rebounder. Uh, but Jackson's a better you know, floor runner and better rim protector. Um, so there's some slight differences there, but I think they ultimately want to keep those guys and just sort of find out what each of them have. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them move Daniel Tyson. I think that might be a reason why he's getting so many minutes right now anyway. Um, but if they kept him, I mean, they could live with it because there is something he gives them that they don't. I mean, just as a wider body, you know, sort of, you know, big muscular guy sets bone rattling screens, you know, boxes people out. I mean, he's still figuring out his, uh, you know, what he's doing uh, with this team. But obviously you've seen him be valuable for, um, a, you know, for playoff teams in the past was, was with the Celtics through the finals last year. Um, so he's a piece that they could move just to sort of pick up something. Um, and the area, obviously, they're missing. That they that they need uh, is power forward. Um, you know, obviously in the starting lineup, they, they Aaron needs missed the three. Obviously, who's playing the four? I mean, he does play more physical uh, than anybody else. Really, they they've put in that spot, um, and I, I think plays above his six five size. But he's still six five, and it's causing them some issues on the glass. I mean, I guess he, they, the guy really does get after him on the board. So I don't like to talk about him like he's a bad rebounder or anything like that. But it's just there's just only so much you can do in the NBA when you're six five when it comes to just grabbing stuff off the glass. Um, and the fact that he only averages right around four rebounds a game um, is an issue, and it's part of the reason why I think they're about 25th, 26th in defensive rebounding. Uh, I think it was 25th when I wrote a story on Sunday, and it might have gone up or it might have gone down, but the bottom line is, is they, they're, they're, they're not finishing enough possessions. Uh, there are times they're doing a good job of defending the first shot uh, and not doing a great job of keeping them off the glass and keeping teams away from second-chance points, so they need rebounding, and they could really use it from the power forward spot. Uh, the question is where they go after it now um, as they're sort of heading towards you know 10th 11th and lottery position um when you know what what's what's the ultimate upside for this group and what are you willing to trade to get to that um but on that basis you know what do you need you need a power forward what can you afford to lose you know what, what could you really need you know what would help you to get rid of it's sort of clearing out that log jam at the backup five i guess the question i would have dustin would be this and that is of the players the Pacers are willing to move, give me the three that actually have the highest value on the market. Uh, Buddy Heald, Chris Duarte, and I guess Tice. I'm trying to think of um, who else. You know, because you know, obviously they're not moving Halliburton. They're not moving Matherin. Uh, they're not moving Turner now that he had that uh, you know that that extension. Obviously his deal technically allows you to, but uh, by going out and having a press conference saying, look how great this is that we signed Miles Turner, and then obviously asking Greg, answering Greg, Greg Doe's question by saying we don't sign a guy to trade a guy, you know, you have, Turner's off the market, and, um, you know, again, you, you just you can't have that big press conference and move him. Um, so, you know, those guys are off the market, and I can't imagine they would move Andrew Nemhard. I think they want to see what they've not see what they've got with him, but I think they're really proud of themselves for getting him um, and, and like what he brings to the table. So I'd be really surprised they moved a guy like him. I'd be surprised they moved Aaron Neesmith. I think they really like what they're getting from him as well, uh, especially um, with with that deal. So I think those guys are pretty much off uh, just on the basis of their youth and whatnot. So, I mean, I think he'll still get you something. Um, I, I think he still gets you a good bit. Obviously, the guy's leading the league in three-pointers. He's He's 30, so he's not crazy old. And, you know, you know what you're getting from Buddy. You, know, you can't make him the centerpiece of your entire offense. Um, but, you know, he can still get you buckets. And, 
you know, obviously it's a question on a place where he fits. If he, if you put him in an unstable situation, I don't know if that's going to be very good for him. But if you find a team that really likes him and appreciates him and, and a chemistry of guys he gets along with, he could be really valuable for for you. But they also, they, they also like him where he is. I mean, it, I don't, I, I'm sure that they're willing to listen to offers and, and willing to, you know, entertain, uh, you know, uh, basically a package where they could get something really good uh, for him and some other guys. But I, they're not rushing to get rid of him. Um, you know, they are happy with what he's produced. They like what the chemistry he brings with with Tyrese, and uh, you know all of that's important. So if they're going to move him, uh, it would take a lot. But I, mean, I think Duarte still gets you something, even though he's had his struggles coming off the ankle injury. Um, you know, obviously averaged 13 a game last year. I think he's still you know still young at 25, still a valuable player. Uh, so I think you get to get something for him. Um, and yeah, no, I think I think I think Tice is kind of the, is kind of the next one. I think those three, you know, especially as veterans, uh, you know, CJ McConnell is another one. I think if if you need specifically that, if you, if you need a second team point guard, you know, obviously they could move him and move Andrew Nembhard into that position uh, and put you know him more on the ball uh, offensively. Uh, but you know, McConnell has been just super productive for them, especially during the period where where Halliburton was out. Uh, much they lost those games. I mean, McConnell really performed uh, really well, and you could see that he could still do what he does uh you know very well be able to get to the rim hit short jumpers um and facilitate and you know defend people get steals from the backcourt just do tj mcconnell things uh there's still some value for that so if somebody really wanted that uh you know that's you know, that's a guy i think that would, would have at least some level of value you're gonna laugh when i say this both you guys you ready to call me crazy here i can't wait i've been waiting for this all morning <laughs> <laughs> not not that there are people knocking down the door for him. Don't get me wrong. I think the Pacers consider T.J. McConnell in the category of Matherin, Halliburton, etc. And I don't mean in terms of talent, future, whatever else, but in terms of untouchable. Am I crazy, Dustin? Like, I really believe that Kevin Pritchard really values what T.J. McConnell brings to them. That is high praise. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're crazy. The untouchable part... Because I mean, Matherin and Halliburton are our level of untouchable. Like those are. The I, I get it. I mean, I, I get it. I'm just, you a lottery pick I'm tomorrow. just saying. Do it. I think he yeah. is more in the we'd rather not pile than he is in the make us an offer pile. He's definitely in the we'd rather not pile. That, that I would agree with you with. Um, and I, I, I mean, again, he's performed really, really well. I mean, I think you've seen just how much he still has left in the tank um, in the last couple of weeks. Again, it wasn't enough to get him a win, and so I think that's the reason why you wouldn't call him untouchable. Um, he only got him one win, I, obviously, in that entire stretch that Halliburton was out. But man, he really did so many good, so many things well. Uh, and you know, basically, when he's um, they haven't really operated a full second unit since Halliburton was out, even if he's come back it hasn't been you know all five you know guys from the bench on the on the floor at the same time but did a really good job with that second unit uh you know before Tyrese got hurt um so that there's just been so many things he's done well this year and again you just see that he's got so much left man when he wants to get down it, it's remarkable just just how if he really wants to get to his shot he gets it <laughs> you know and like you you look at him and you, you just think of him as limited on some level but when like when he wants to get to the rim or get to the paint um he's so effective at it i mean he, he's he's good at beating his man to his spots um and and, you know that's valuable and obviously uh, is really good at setting guys up and you know again gets you how many loose balls a night whether it's a steal in the backcourt or a long rebound or something like that I mean like that's really important you know keeps those it does a good job of just keeping morale up um, so yeah I mean they, it, it would have to be part of a much bigger offer uh, it, you know you have to get somebody very real for him um, 
again, they see a lot of value in him. I think he's a guy that, that obviously they think that, that can be a part, um, you know, just be a part of the core. I mean, Rick Carlisle absolutely loves him. Yeah, just, just, and, and he's one of several of those guys that Carlisle discusses about. And so, yeah, I, I, he, he is not a guy that they are looking to get rid of, that's for sure. Yeah, love and appreciation and untouchable. I, uh, yeah, I, I think those are got to be two different things. Again, Dustin DePirac with us here, Indianapolis star. Dustin, you you know were at the Miles Turner press conference. You've chatted with Kevin Pritchard you know, recently about the trade deadline. Do you get the vibe that the goalposts have moved a bit from wins and losses don't matter at the start of the year to now oh we are starting to win that's going to impact what we do at the trade deadline 100 percent. yeah no i mean i think he said that the one line he used was i'm I'm just so bullish on our guys and he did say i i am looking at this team a lot different than i was in october um you know that's not the exact worded wording or whatever but i think that's more individual pieces or wins related um, both. I mean, he, he also did say like, this isn't going to be our best team. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that, that's another thing he said was that, you know, we're not looking at this as this team has to win right now. Um, and you know, we're not looking at this as, as you know, we, we've, we've got to go all out. We've got to throw something for this team because it has to have its best chance to maximize its position. Um, I, I it's more of a sense of, I have more. I have more of what I'm going to need than I expected to, and we're further along in the rebuilding process than we expected to be. But we're not necessarily in the place where it makes sense to go all out for this year. Because what are you going all out for? You know, what's your ceiling? And and right now, right now, it looks like your ceiling is to get into a playoff series, um, just to get to one. And it's like, okay, like if you're not going to be able to win a round, if you know, winning the play in and, and ending up in the eight and playing the Celtics is your best case scenario. What's that worth? Uh, and, and are you willing to trade anything that is going to matter for your future? Um, and for, for that prospect, when you could start thinking about next year and the year after and the year after, and, and, you know, what are the pieces that you want to be there for that? Uh, that's, I think where he is, is the sense of like, you know, if, if you can get this team into a play in game, there's value. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to act like there's not value, but there's only so much in it. And it's, so it's, it's a scenario where like, you're, you're certainly not trading for somebody that has an expiring deal. And, you know, it's not like in baseball where it's like, man, this team just really needs a lefty reliever. You got to be willing to trade a, you know, a rookie or, you know, one of your top five prospects to go get one because this is how far you can get. Um, you know, they're, they're not there. It's, you know, like, I mean, I could see, I don't think that, I don't think they're going to go after John Collins for other reasons, but you know, like uh, somebody that has, uh, some time left on his contract, and you could say, okay, well, that's going to be a piece for you going forward. Like, if you go get that person, it fills the you know hole that you're missing, and that's going to be a core piece for you as you as you you know get closer to being a championship team. Um, you know that that's the thing that, that obviously they would be willing to do, but they they wouldn't go. You know, you're not getting a rental is the point. Um, you know, this this team doesn't need rentals. That's it's not going to go far enough for it to make sense for them to trade anything of value for a guy that they're going to lose. My prediction, if they make a move, it is actually the surplus of number ones that they use to sweeten the pot Yeah, to move somebody and then upgrade that position. That's mm-hmm. my prediction. Yeah, because no, I think that they feel like, Dustin, they've got good positioning. You know, Because those two number ones they have from Boston and Cleveland are going to be late, and then they got Houston's 
first round pick, first second round pick, if that makes sense. Got like um, four in the top thirty two. Correct. Right now. So like they've got three picks between twenty five and thirty five. I'll bet they unload one or two of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what Kevin Frazier went so far as to say is that he, he said we, we almost certainly won't bring in four rookies um, because they're young enough as is. Um, and it, it's just he, the, the phrase he used, and it's, it's a little gruesome, but, you know, to get to his point, it makes sense. He says when you have so many young guys, they kind of can't cannibalize each other. Um, and, and he's right. I mean, I think you, you just see what's happening with between Smith and Jackson right now. Um, you know, having two 22, 21-year-old guys uh, at the same spot where you already have a starter you know, again, you're you're trying to figure out what to do with uh, 18 minutes a game, and even before Tice came back, I mean, they were basically alternating that. You know, so like one of those guys who they, you know, really believe in and think have bright futures um, is 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 getting a DNP on you know basically every other night. Um, so they they have a lot of jam there already, and it's like, okay, well, what else? Who who else are you bringing in that's going to be in in a similar position? You know, you could, you know, you're, you're starting to get a bunch of young wings, you know, when you've got Duarte and you've got, you know, Matherin and, 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 and obviously they, they do need more, um, their, their needs. Again, I think they need more power forward. Uh, you know, they, they, I think they could use another, you know, high scoring, high usage, you know, high usage, usage wing. Uh, I think they, I think they just need another top player, uh, basically to be a part of this thing. I just think there's, there's just a little bit more talent to be, to be part of this core. Um, but you do run the risk of, okay, well, you know, when's that guy coming off the floor you know when, when how are you getting this guy minutes if you have to play this guy um they're not too far in the future for that especially with with the young guys and they could easily you know find some uh players stuck on the bench and they've it, you know they've already had talented players you know go good go but the top that was what a first round pick and they're gonna have to move him um because he's not getting any minutes at all um so you know if, if you bring in another surplus on, on top of what they already have you know with all the guys they already have on the team they have five six guys that are you know 23 or younger uh might even be more than that then you know you you are really running the risk of of you know having guys not be able to get minutes when they need time to develop. I mean you might you know be sending way too many guys down to Fort Wayne. Um, so they are I think certainly willing to move uh, move those picks, uh, particularly the Cleveland and the Boston pick. I think um, I think you know obviously they look at those as first rounders. They think they'll be valuable. You know again the issue is going to be that Cleveland and Boston are going to be bottom ten uh, draft picks by the time it's all said and done uh, in the first round. So that they're only going to be so valuable. But I think they absolutely are going to look to move them. But, you know, he, he said he, again. Pritchard said I can't imagine bringing in four rookies, so I just don't think they will. And one of those is going to move at some point, whether it's now or before the draft. Tonight it's a seven thirty tip from Miami Pacers. Last I saw, six and a half point underdog. You know, Kyle Lowry, no Victor Oladipo, who Dustin knows well from the IU beat back in his days, and then of course the trade deadline tomorrow at three o'clock. Dustin, good luck with the news cycle here over the next 24, 36 hours. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, guys.